Please be seated. Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. The text for our meditation this evening for the festival of St. Matthew, Apostle and Evangelist. Our gospel reading that we heard just a moment ago, Matthew 9, 9 to 13, especially the last two verses. But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, how do you know when it's time to go to the doctor? Each one of us have a little bit different idea of what it takes or how, how sick we are or how sick we think we are before we go to the doctor. Now, I don't know if it's only a guy thing, but I know it certainly is, at least in part, a guy thing. You don't ever go to the doctor. You tough it out. You wait an appropriate amount of time and, and whatever sickness or illness you have, it'll run its course. Or if it's really too bad, you might try grandma's home remedy, an over-the-counter cure from the grocery store or the drugstore, anything and everything to avoid going to the doctor. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Well, maybe you don't want to sit in line for a long time in the doctor's office. Maybe you're trying to save a buck. Maybe you don't have insurance. But I think for most of us, it's something a little bit deeper. We hate to admit that we are sick. We hate to admit that we cannot fix or heal ourselves. It's built into every one of us. If we don't admit that we're sick, we can pretend that we're not sick. Even when somebody comes up and says, oh boy, you look terrible. Oh, I feel great. We will go to great lengths to avoid admitting that we're sick. And generally when we do, finally break down, things are so bad that the amount of time for healing or the cure is considerably longer than if we would have just admitted we were sick at the very beginning. This is universal. Maybe more for some than others, but it's universal. And it is this universal thing that Jesus is pointing us to as we consider our text, the calling of Matthew. 
We have to admit, Matthew was really a strange choice, wasn't it? A strange choice for Jesus. As he is gathering together his disciples, his, his students around the rabbi Jesus, as he is gathering his students, he calls fishermen. Now he calls a tax collector. Back in the olden days, when you read God's word, Matthew wasn't a tax collector. He was a publican. Imagine how confusing that was for young ears. Oh, Matthew was a publican. He wasn't a Democrat. No, no, no. Nothing like that. A publican is another name for a tax collector because of the way taxes were gathered at this particular time. The Roman government is in control. The Roman government levied taxes. And the way the taxes were collected is people could bid on the taxes. In order to be a publican, someone who would publicly collect taxes, you had to be rather wealthy. You had to bid on this tax contract and once you secured the contract from the government, it was up to you to go and to collect. And the more you collected above and beyond that which you paid, the more you got to put in your pocket. Tax collectors, these, these public agents of the state, tax collectors were despised. Why? Well, first of all, they were public agents of the state. That was enough. Many people consider them traitors. But even worse, tax collectors were often motivated by greed, to lie, to steal, to extort, to do anything and everything to pad their pockets. Certainly, Jesus could have called someone who wasn't quite such a public sinner. Certainly, Jesus, if he's really God in the flesh, certainly Jesus would have known about this man's history, his reputation. Certainly, Jesus did. Jesus did not call Matthew because he could look in his heart and see that at some point in time he would be a great apostle and evangelist. Jesus did not call Matthew because of some innate quality in Matthew. Jesus did not call Matthew because he was rich. And would help out the financial cause. Jesus called Matthew because he was a poor, miserable sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus called, Follow me. Matthew didn't say, Well, give me a couple of weeks to think about it, Jesus. Let me put the books in order. Matthew didn't say, I don't know, 
my reputation, my portfolio. Matthew didn't say, I need to give two weeks. Jesus said, follow me. And Matthew rose and followed him. God called. Follow me. The power of the word of God gripped Matthew, created faith in his heart, and Matthew, by grace, through faith, followed Jesus. Pretty amazing, isn't it? It is, but it doesn't stop there. Matthew was so excited, he decided that he would throw a party. Who would be the guest of honor? Not Matthew. Not a government official. No, at Matthew's quitting new job party, Jesus is the guest of honor. Jesus didn't distance himself from the people who were gathered there. He was there with them, eating and drinking with them. Jesus' sinners doth receive. We sang that at the beginning of our worship service. Jesus called Matthew. Matthew called his friends. Jesus is now gathering, eating, teaching, loving, saving poor miserable sinners. Because that's what Jesus came to do. To seek and to save the lost. You would have thought everyone would be happy, right? A poor, miserable public tax collector was now a follower of Jesus. Jesus was associating with other known tax collectors and public sinners. But all was not well. Some were not happy. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why does Jesus associate with sinners? Why does Jesus mingle with sinners? Why does Jesus eat with sinners? Because sinners need a Savior. Pure and simple. The Pharisees were not happy. They thought that there were certain people, like tax collectors and public sinners, not only them, but especially them, that were not worthy of God or God's presence or God's love or God's forgiveness. Certainly not to be in God's house. If Jesus were a true prophet, he would know Matthew's sin and he would distance himself from it. Jesus, however, scolds 
the Pharisees in the harshest of terms. When Jesus heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Back to the beginning. How do you know it's time to go to the doctor? How do you know it's time to admit that you are sick and you cannot heal yourself? Jesus is using something that we all understand. Our desire, our pride that says you can do it yourself. You can heal yourself. You can save yourself. Jesus knows this about the Pharisees. He knows this about us. He knows this about all people for all time. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. If you are not sick, you do not call the doctor. If you pretend you are not sick, you do not call the doctor. Even when you are sick and you think you can fix yourself, you do not call the doctor. Jesus says, I have come for people who are sick and are willing to admit it. No, I'm not talking about a cold or the flu. I'm not talking about heart disease or cancer. I'm not talking about the physical ailments that are all reminders of sin. Jesus says, I have come to heal soul, sin, sick, sinners. If you are a sinner, Jesus says, I'm here for you. If you admit that you are sick with sin and it is fatal, you cannot save yourself. Jesus says, I am the great physician. I am here to heal you, to forgive you. Not only to add a few hours or days or years to your life, but to give you life everlasting. Then Jesus says, go and learn what this means. To the teachers, to those who valued themselves as the most learned people in the church, Jesus says, go back to school. Go and learn what this means. Then he quotes Hosea 6 verse 6. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. My friends, God's word is clear. We recited it just moments ago when we recited the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. In other words, go to church. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not covet. God's word exposes 
who we are. It diagnoses our sin. We are sinners. We are soul-sick sinners to the very core. In catechism class tonight, we learned that sin means any transgression against God's law. The New Testament word for sin, hemartia, literally means missing the mark. Well, don't we hit the mark once in a while? No! Even when we do outwardly, our soul is still sick, tainted with the sin that we inherited from our parents all the way back to our first parents, Adam and Eve. My friends, God's Word calls us to humble ourselves before God and His Word. To swallow our pride and to admit that we are sinners. That our sin is fatal. That we cannot save ourselves and every home cure that we can come up with will leave us in the same spot. Hell. We are so busy trying to justify our sin. We are so busy trying to climb the spiritual ladder one rung at a time all the way back to God. We are so consumed with everything that we can do, we can think, we can say to make ourselves right with God or to make excuses that we aren't really sick that we fail to hear the sweet words of Jesus. My friends, Jesus is the one who did not miss the mark, not once, not ever. He fulfilled God's holy law, every jot and tittle, for you and for the life of the world. Jesus takes all of our sins, all of our false gods, all of our feeble attempts to save ourselves, all of our idols, all of our sin, into himself and onto himself to Calvary's cross. He bleeds and dies for you for me, and for the life of the world. Jesus dies, but he doesn't stay dead. Three days later, as Jesus is alive, never to die again, he gives us hope. Hope that wherever we are in life, that life here on earth is not the ultimate goal but it is life everlasting with the Lord of life, the great physician of body and soul, Jesus Christ. Jesus pours out his Good Friday death and his Easter life to you in the waters of holy baptism, the waters of life. He feeds you with the bread of life, his very body and blood crucified and risen to sustain you on your journey and to forgive your sins. My friends, God's gift for you tonight
is healing. Healing of soul. Healing of body. Healing of mind. The peace that surpasses all understanding is yours. We can stop striving to justify ourselves. We can stop striving to tear down others to make ourselves feel good. We could admit we're sick. We're sinners. We can't save ourselves. We need a Savior. And we can give thanks to God that that Savior is not a pipe dream or a placebo. That Savior is as real as the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for you. My friends, God loves sinners. He called Matthew by grace through faith. He called you by grace through faith. He healed Matthew of his greatest sickness, sin. And he heals you right here and right now today. Like Matthew, it's time to celebrate. It's time to throw a party. Invite all your friends, even those that are sinners, to hear and to be healed by the great physician Jesus. That is truly a reason to celebrate. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our lives in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.